0: Love talk to radio hey there Dr Ross. Coming to you as always live from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine, and as always joined by my co-host, Susie Porton. Susie, how are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks, Doctor Green. How are you?
0: I am well. I'm 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 in what we might call summit withdrawal. Um, Yes. We had a great day on Friday in Portland, Maine, at the fifth. Annual International Summit on Non Punitive Non Adversarial Interventions for At Risk Kids. Um we had two great keynotes, Alfie Cohn and Dr. Joan Durant. We had some great breakout groups and we are already planning next year's summit. I know you wanted to be there, but due to Very extenuating badly. circumstances, couldn't. Yes. We missed you.
1: Oh thank but you.
0: Um, It was a good day. Fantastic. Any thoughts to get today's program going? We have lots of email. We also already have a caller. I bet this is someone who's called in previously, which is great. That's at least what I think. Any thoughts before we get this show on the road?
1: Um, I do, but let's take the caller first. Okay.
0: Okay. And callers do take top priority on this program. Caller from area code 858, you're on the air. How are you today?
2: I'm wonderful, Dr. Green and Susie. And yes, I uh, have it's my third time calling in. I and
0: thought I, that was I, you.
2: Oh, great. Uh, and I love that callers get top priority. <laughs> so nice. Um, we wouldn't
0: have it any no. other way.
2: It's, yes, it's wonderful. Um, so I have some updates and some more questions about my nine-year-old son, who our unsolved problem we've been working on is getting dressed in the morning. And thank you so much for the nice title of the last uh, podcast about creative drilling. And Good. I, yeah, yeah. you I know, have been really working on this, this drilling. And as I'm sure you know, this process is not for the weak at heart, this is just uh takes a lot of patience and persistence and um I would have I'm so glad last Monday was a holiday because if I would have called in I probably would have been uh in tears and feeling like a failure and just at my wit's end but uh time is beautiful and uh things are a little bit better and so I keep really trying to get my son's concerns on the table about what's getting in his way to get dressed in the morning and you know, last time I talked to you, he had given the five that his brother was getting in his way, and so we really talked through a lot of that. And I was able to get out of him that his brother is all up in his business, is what my son said. And I, well, it was hard to get anything beyond that, but just that you know, we sort of I was able to ascertain that I think it was just his brother was around him too much, so we spent about a week just really kind of separating the boys in the morning to get dressed, and so there there was little getting in in the way, and um, we still had lots of problems getting dressed in the morning. And then when we went back talking about it, he kind of sort of changed his tune again and said, well, you know, it's probably not him, it's my toys. And so he came up with the solution of packing up some of his toys and that um, we could get them down after he'd gotten dressed, and, you know, which is things I used to do in my Plan A world, and, you know, I would just take toys away, and he would say, I don't care, but when he came up with the solution, we packed up, you know, some toys, um, and uh, those toys are still packed up. He hasn't even asked for them, and he still hasn't been getting dressed, and uh, so we were able to talk this weekend. And I said, you know, one of the things I notice is if we're going to the beach or swimming, and I uh, say go get your, you know, swim clothes on. Most of the time, you you do that. And he said, yeah, you know, it because it's fun. And so we were able to have a, a good conversation about why like, getting dressed in the morning. About not the the getting dressed part's not fun, but the, the thought of it represents having to go to school, and school's not fun. And we left it at that, and I'm not quite sure where to go because it it reminds me of just sort of the, I don't know, it's boring kinds of responses that I feel like I'm still not getting his concerns of, you know, what I'm learning about this process is that I, I feel like the big picture of all of this is, you know, we all have things in life that we don't feel like doing, but we still have to do them. And you know, as adults and even kids who don't necessarily have quite these challenges, they just figure it out and, and they do these things that aren't aren't fun to them. And yet, my my son just does just struggles so much with that that he there's just all these roadblocks of just he doesn't want to have anything to do with it because maybe for him it represents that going to school's not fun. Anyway, that's I, I don't know. What do you think?
0: <laughs> Susie, you want to pitch a in first here?
1: Um sure. I just I wanted to comment, you said that plan B takes time and it's true, it does take time, but not as much time as explosions which can um remain for a day or two even. Um and you were feeling a bit discouraged i think it was last week and i just wanted to say i know in our family it was it is a process and it's baby steps two steps forward one back and but you learn from those situations or conversations that didn't go so well you know you're really a success for trying a different approach and um sticking with it and um that Plan B is a skill for us, too, to learn, that um, I know for myself as a parent, it gave me a framework to learn skills that I was lacking or lagging behind in and helped me to be the kind of parent that I wanted to be. Um, As far as school not being fun... That's a tough one. <laughs> um, it, it is, um, and I notice that you know as the kids get older, it's harder. The curriculum that they're um, that they're needing to learn um, increases with age. So maybe you could try some reflective listening and agreeing with him that, you know, you understand school is getting harder and it's not so fun at times, but there are parts of it that still can be fun. That's and, my two and, cents.
2: And, yeah, and I've been really working on that part of mm-hmm. the- reflective listening and I have I have my cheat sheet next to me and how so and oh okay, I'm confused. Tell me more and I just don't get much back from him and, you know, I'm eight eight weeks into just, you know, slowly plugging away at this this um unsolved problem and oh, I just I I, I I just I don't know if I feel like I still have his concerns on the table, or maybe that it's not fun is that's the concern. But then, then how do you move along in you know the empathy that yes, you know, gosh, I know we all we all have things that we have to do that aren't so fun, and how mm-hmm. you know how do we how do we figure how do we figure that out and you know D- go ahead. I was just
1: going to say, did you have a chance to ask him what part of school isn't so fun anymore? And then, you know, to to be specific about that.
2: I just, I don't think I, I didn't, I might not have worded it that way. I mm-hmm. just think I got, I don't know. It's, I just don't like it. and Or it's just not fun. And maybe I just—gosh, oh it's, always, it's always going back to Julie. I did want to tell you though, Susie. I um, just as a side, even though we hadn't come with to the solution together a, a yeah. few nights ago, I I told them I said, "What do you think if you just put your clothes on the night before?" <laughs> and and of course, this is why when it's not collaborative problem solving, it was mostly just you know my suggesting it. And, and he said, okay, but I'm, all, uh, but I'm only putting my shirt on, and, and I'm going to keep my pajamas on. I said, that's, you know, that's fine, but I think you might find it easier in the morning to, since you already have your shirt on. So he did wear his shirt the night before, and then he woke up in the morning, and he came out, and he changed the shirt that he had worn, Aww. and put on a different shirt. <laughs> like the one time in seven weeks that he didn't need any prompting to get dressed, and <laughs> The shirt that he we had put on the night before that, which was the clean shirt, um, he ended up changing. So that's why the collaborative part is so important. And you know, you can't. You can't and every uh, and I know this is that every solution is different for each kid, each family. And but I just had to laugh so hard but because <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant idea when you said, "Oh, this sounds crazy," but my son used to get his clothes on at bedtime, and I'm like, Aww. oh, I think that's brilliant. But. <laughs> it kind of backfired in a funny way. But. Well, I I
1: just, you know, can't emphasize enough that it takes a while to get good at this. And your child sees you as a helpful parent, one who's listening, and you develop a helping relationship with your child by working through these unsolved problems and gradually rebuild a relationship. It's and that norm...
2: Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I
1: just was going to add that that positive relationship will get you through the most difficult parts.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's, just, it, it's surprising to me that in, in eight weeks of working on one of our unsolved problems feels very molasses in pace of, um, mm-hmm. of making progress. So, you know... I don't know how normal that is, or who knows what normal is,
0: but
1: right I, well, I, I think just, that oh sorry Dr. someone
0: saw problems just take longer, but what I'm also remembering is that um, it's only been two or three weeks since you started getting information from him using the finger method um And so um, I don't know if – it feels to me like you've been getting information for maybe two or three weeks at this point. And the good news is you have more information than you did. The bad news is the problem isn't yet solved. What happens sometimes when a kid is able to express everything in the first empathy step – is that you get lots of information and then get to decide which of his concerns you want to address first. In this case, the information is coming in in dribs and drabs. So just as an example, in many Plan Bs, um, you'll hear, I don't know, five, six, seven different things that might be getting in the way on a particular unsolved problem. And, you know, that's a luxurious position to be in because then you can decide which of these plan B's, which of these concerns do we want to start working on first. In your situation, um, you're getting it piecemeal. And when you get it, you're trying to come up with a solution. um, And then it's turning out that there's something else that might be getting in the way as well. So there's no question. um, With some kids, the process does go more slowly, especially early on until you get into a bit more of a rhythm on gathering information. Now, here's the only other thing I'd say. And, you know, we haven't met your son. I know, I think I remember that when you first called in, I suggested that some of the things that I was hearing sounded like a kid who was having difficulty expressing himself and that a speech and language evaluation might not be a bad idea. And if I vaguely recall, the folks at school felt that that wasn't something that needed to happen. Correct. Um, I um, am still um, wondering if that might not be a bad idea. Um, You're having, you know, it's not that you aren't getting information, but you're having a harder time than many people getting that information. Um, There's nothing... To be lost by having his language skills evaluated formally um right now you're a bit at a bit of a loss for why is this taking so long. Um, one explanation is that because you're getting information in the empathy step piecemeal it's not anywhere nearly as efficient as it would be if you were getting the information in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. And because the information is piecemeal, you're going with solutions on the little things that you're hearing, but you're not getting the total picture. And not knowing him and not having an opportunity to observe you trying to do the empathy step with him, Um, so from a distance, because you're a ways away, um, the best I can make of the difficulties that you're having, obviously sight unseen, is that there's something making it very difficult for your son to express himself in words and that that is slowing down plan B for you. That's my best two cents based on very limited information, even though I know that you've called in several times. um, Nothing takes the place of a comprehensive look at a kid and a comprehensive sense of what's really getting in his way. What do you think of all that?
2: I think that um, sounds all very reasonable um, because I have really worked on trying to get his concerns on the table, and um, I just don't know what, So, what my next steps are in terms of getting his language skills evaluated. Do I... Do I just go to a healthcare provider and take that route, or do I go back to school and just they evaluate him, even though the speech therapist, the school psychologist, and three teacher of his teachers, none of them thought that was an issue.
0: Hard, hard for me to guide you. Um, yeah. Y- you could insist that the school do it, but if you mm-hmm. have everybody at the school saying no and you still insist that they do it, Um, that might not be the ideal scenario for having a uh, speech and language evaluation done. Um, You live in a large metropolitan area. I looked up your area code, so you're in San Diego. Um, I promise you there are good speech and language folks in your area. I can also, if you go to the Lives in the Balance website and Mm -hmm. go to the contact form, and send an email in saying, I'm the mom who was talking about the kid who is uh, having difficulty expressing himself in the empathy step of plan B. I also have colleagues in the San Diego area, and any or many of them would be happy to, number one, meet with you to get a sense for your son. But, number two, if they feel like it's necessary, refer you to a good speech and language therapist for an evaluation.
2: That would be wonderful. Wonderful.
0: That might be the next best thing to do. You're obviously welcome to call into the program anytime you want, but we may have taken you as far as we can without being able to lay eyes on your son and really get a feel for what's making it difficult for him to participate as fully as we would like him to in the empathy step of Plan B.
2: You've been tremendously helpful and I'm just so, so grateful. Thank you so much.
0: That doesn't mean you shouldn't call in again. Please do keep us posted, and definitely use the contact form on the website, and I'll get you some names and some contact information.
2: Great, thanks, Dr. Green and Susie.
0: Thanks Thank for calling. You. Bye. Now, Susie, we were about to go to another to, to start the email, but we have another caller. So, shall we take that now? Absolutely. Here we go, and you always like, you didn't remind me today, but the call-in number is, I'm remembering myself, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're giving the opportunities for growth here to see if I'll actually be able to do it on my own. The call-in number is 347-994-2981, and Susie, here's your line. And please remember to press 1. How's that for teamwork? Okay, so now <laughs> we're going to go to area code 403. Uh, you're on the air. How are you today? I'm
3: good. Thanks for taking my call, Doctor Green.
0: You bet. Is it cold up there?
3: It is. <laughs> we've had uh, we've had snow, but uh, we're still staying warm.
0: Got it. Well, you're in Alberta. I'm going to be in Alberta the week after this one.
3: I'm hoping to meet you at the conference.
0: Fabulous. Tell us what's on your mind today.
3: So. Um, our daughter has a lot of challenges. I've called in before, and we're starting to um, work with one of her therapists, working together doing the ALSAP and the unsolved problems and kind of moving forward here. So we looked at the ALSAP, and we kind of got stuck on number one. Um, you, got, with you got
0: stuck on number one. Go ahead.
3: We got Check on the first lagging skill, problem with transitions.
0: So difficulty making transitions. Go ahead.
3: So after talking about it and really looking at it um, and asking her some things about it, what we've come to realize is our daughter's sensory issues literally hold our family hostage. They're overwhelming to her. And she doesn't have a lot of understanding of her sensory issues. We're working on that with OT and and those type of things. So it kind of leaves our daughter in a situation when we say, you know, I realize that you're having a lot of problems getting your clothes on. What's up with that? She says, I don't know. But we truly believe that's the answer because she doesn't know why the clothes are bothering her. So we're trying to figure out what to do with an I don't know that might be real.
0: Got it. So two separate questions here. When you say – there's definitely a question about when she says I don't know. We'll get to that second. When you say you got stuck on the first lagging skill on the ALSUP, what do you mean?
3: So we were going through it, and we're like, "Um, okay, so – Check this off. Yes, she has this lagging skill. And then we start looking at the the problem. And as you start listing the problems out, the problems with transitions are actually every problem that we have because they're rooted in these other places. She can't transition because of language. She can't transition because of um, sensory issues.
0: Well, now, here's the interesting thing. You're not looking to explain – first of all, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I would use the word stuck to describe what happened to you on the first lagging skill on the LSIP. I would say she lit up the board, and it's not oh, uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uncommon to get a lot of unsolved problems out of those early lagging skills only because they're the first lagging skills that you're thinking about. And multiple lagging skills can contribute to the same unsolved problem. So I'm not sure I would say that you got. I, I'm. You know what? I misunderstood what you meant by stuck. I think what you meant is um, we learned a lot about the expectations your daughter is having difficulty meeting, just on that yeah. first lagging skill. Yes.
3: Yes, very much so right. and the other the other thing my husband and I talked about is um it was kind of demoralizing for us because we were like, "Wow, she can't meet any of these expectations that we're asking her. She can't get dressed we're not we don't have a realistic expectation of her, and then it becomes, will she ever be able to do these things?"
0: Well, and I'm going to let Susie comment on her own experiences about the will she or he ever be able to do this. But let me just make a quick point. And that is, um, I'm glad you finally know about all those expectations your daughter is having difficulty meeting. Because if you don't know about them, you can't solve them. Also... Gotcha. Yes, it's true. She's having difficulty getting dressed. I wouldn't say she can't get dressed because that's an expectation that the world is going to require that she meet given that she cannot go to school unclothed. So there are expectations that a kid, as our first caller said, aren't there expectations that a kid just has to meet? And the answer is yes, And most kids are meeting most of the expectations that the world is saying they just have to meet. But when it comes to behaviorally challenging kids, or let me put it this way, kids who are expressing the fact that they're having difficulty meeting expectations through their behavior, because that's what a behaviorally challenging kid is, a kid who is expressing the fact that they're having difficulty meeting expectations through their behavior. Um, Those kids, there's expectations they have to meet, that your daughter cannot go to school unclothed. But now here's where we come in. First, we have to figure out that she's having difficulty meeting the expectation. The other option, of course, is just to make her. And in the case of behaviorally challenging kids, the problem, of course, is that making them often causes – challenging episode so while you may be feeling like they're meeting the expectation the price that you're paying is not a price that you really want to pay and quite frankly don't have to pay if you go about solving that problem we don't
3: end up going to school because she's so you know the the challenging behavior becomes so hard she can't even go to school because of it because then when she gets there we've already so we've already done the countdown to meltdown at home
0: (laughs) yep So you've experienced that firsthand, and if you don't make her, she won't go. But all that says is that that problem isn't yet solved and that there may be much more to understand about the difficulties that your daughter is having. In And here's how we would word the unsolved problem, difficulty getting dressed for school in the morning. Now, does it matter that you got that unsolved problem from difficulty-making transitions? No. Do you still have to learn more about it? Yes. So the one thing I would say is um, don't get bogged down when you are listing unsolved problems by trying to explain them. So what you don't want to do is, as you're doing the ELSEP, say, well, that's because of her language. Or that's because of her sensory. Because while you may be right, the person who you really want to get that information from is your daughter. Right. And you might hear things that surprise you. And the truth is we need information that is much more specific than just it's sensory anyways for us to be able to solve that problem. Thoughts. And I
3: guess what that's what I are your what we're thoughts failing. on all of that?
0: again. Well I guess
3: that's what we're I guess that's the part that we're really failing to get because she doesn't even she can't even begin to understand her sensory problems other and and vocalize them other than um, I don't know or the only way she has to say that she's having a sensory problem is with a challenging behavior.
0: Now, does is your daughter verbal? Does she have words in other circumstances?
3: Yes. She loses yes. language when she comes outside.
0: Got it. Well, here's another thing. Just a little hint in your telling of what's going on is that you tell me if I'm wrong. You may be trying to solve this problem in the heat of the moment when what you want to be doing is trying to solve it proactively. <laughs> And here's the only other thing I'll say before we give Susie a crack at this. Um, uh, you may want to listen to some of the programs from the last week or two, if you haven't already, because the mom who just called in before you, we helped her a little bit by having her use um, this finger method, 54321 fingers, to try to guess what it could be. And have the child simply hold up fingers to let you know how true your guess is. So here's the good news. While there are many, many things that could be bothering your daughter in a sensory way about getting dressed. um, And I'm not going to go even through a partial list here. But there's some things that could be sensory about getting dressed. Um, It's not an infinite list. It is a finite list. And if you guess some of those things, once again, proactively, not emergently, she may be able to hold up fingers, five, very true, four, pretty true, three, sort of true, two, not very true, one, not true at all. And she may be able to give you some information about what's getting in her way. It's sensory is too broad. We need more information than that from your daughter to be able to solve the problem. What do you think?
3: Right. Okay. I'm willing to try it.
0: Susie, you want to do some – and you might want to listen to those two programs. I don't think it was last time. Last time, which would have been October 5th because we took off for last Monday, which I think was Thanksgiving in Canada and Columbus Day in the United States. Was it Thanksgiving in Canada last Monday? It was. I think it was. Um, it was. So we took last Monday off, and it was the week before – and that was October 5th that the mom called in and told us how much information she was getting from her son. So it was the week before that, la- That the last program in September, where I was describing the finger method. So if you wanted to take a little time to listen to those two programs, um, you could hear everything we said to her. But Susie, we've been keeping you on hold here. A- any thoughts?
1: No problem. Um, yeah, a few. I just wanted to say that in beginning the c p s approach, it can be overwhelming in the beginning um with so many unsolved problems. Um, I think you might have said something to the effect that will she ever be able to do these things um Our doctor was so helpful in uh when we were going through a uh, a difficult time, and he reminded us to stay in the present. You know, you keep an eye on the future, but otherwise you worry yourself into a panic, um, worrying about what's going to happen five, ten years from now. Um, also, just it was helpful to be responsive to the hand we've been dealt Um You know, your family is different. They look different. Um, But there's a lot of uh, help for you out there um, on the Lives in the Balance website or from a family member, a friend, clergy, or doctor, um, realizing that it's never perfect but it does get better um, over time. And I just also love the um, phrase problems in living and not pathologizing the child with a lot of um, mental health diagnoses. I realize that you need them for services, but I love problems in living because then it's not just the child who's the problem, it's a family problem, and you figure out together what's getting in their way. Um, and and another thing, last thing, was just to remember that it's not the kid's idea of a good time. It's it's difficult for the child as well. I know it's it's hard on the parents and your other children if you have them. Um, but it but it's hard on the child.
2: Very I'm true. Not, I'm
3: not what sure if that helps, but... Well, I think that's very true. Um, I think she um, she even says all the time that she doesn't want to be this way, that she wants something else for herself. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest motivators for Dad and I is um, she... You know, she doesn't want to be this way. She wants to do something different. Um, so obviously we keep looking for things. Um, so, yeah, we'll I'll try this other method and I'll listen to that program and we'll go from there and see what happens next.
0: Now here's one last piece of good news. Um, I mean, I think you've got some interesting times ahead for sure. So about that, there's no doubt. Um, but... Um, There are some certified providers in Alberta, and you can find them, if you haven't already, on the CPS Connection website. Um, So if you feel the need to get assistance beyond this program and beyond the website, there are some folks in your neck of the woods who can help you. So that's good, too.
3: Yeah, we're looking into, there's a lady in Edmonton that we're uh, looking at visiting with to
0: see if um... Yes, which I think would be a little bit of a drive for you, but um, good care is worth traveling we haven't for, have I anybody say, closer. if you can do it. It's worth
3: traveling for. <laughs> it's worth traveling for. There you
0: for. go. So, good you luck so with much. it all. Feel free to call in any time. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Take care. Susie? Yes? I think we need to... Um, Since our last caller was from Alberta, we're going to continue with the international theme on the program. Yes. We have a a few emails here from people internationally. So here we go. Here's one. It's an email. I'm from Argentina. Wow. Uh, Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, I know about you from searching on the web. I'm desperate because of my nine-year-old girl. Here in my country, I can't find any institution or professional that applies your method, but for me, it could help millions of children. I'll try to make it on my own, using your website. You almost made me cry when I listened to your videos in YouTube. In our case, my child is challenging since the day she was born. You gave me the hope I was needing to try, to try something new with my girl. Thank you so much for sharing your work. Sorry for my English, but I haven't studied it that much. Well, from us to Argentina, thank you for emailing. I think your English is just fine, and thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Kind of cool that they're finding collaborative and proactive solutions in Argentina.
1: Yes, it is. But
0: that's not the only place. Here's another from Spain. Here we go. I am writing from Spain. I am the mother of an almost five-year-old boy. He's an only child. I've read The Explosive Child, but I've never implemented Plan B, mostly because I'm having difficulty changing my lenses. My child's challenging behavior started when he was three and a half, hitting, biting, and swearing, mainly to me. I have been blaming myself because he wouldn't, when he was two, I was very stressed and anxious. Also at that time, my husband was unemployed, my mother lived with us, and there was tension in the household. My husband didn't know how to deal with me, and sometimes the child would
1: hmm,
0: pay us with yelling at him. some I'm not sure I understand this part. Sometimes spanking and being too rigid. This was leading us to an authoritarian kind of parenting. However, when my son started responding so aggressively to me, we started to change, trying to understand what was going on. I feel that although we have changed in so many ways, my child is still having difficulty handling himself in some situations, responding aggressively to us and family members and other children at school and the playground. Uh, I can describe it as if he gets disconnected and it is really hard to stop him, which makes us feel helpless. Whenever we try to talk to him about what is going on, he just taps his ear and tries to shut us up. He doesn't realize that what he does hurts others, and he is always blaming anyone but himself for whatever goes wrong. My family insists that my child is exhibiting this behavior because I was anxious, over controlling, and do not accept him. That there are probably unspoken problems between me and my husband, and so on. They blame us, and the truth is that I do too. I can't separate his misbehavior from what we did in the past. Dr. Green mentions that challenging behaviors, we should not blame the parents, but in our case, I can't say that we haven't had something to do with its appearance. Is my child's challenging behavior due to any possible trauma, or has he just lagging skills and unsolved problems? Thank you for reading, and I apologize for any mistake with my English. I do hope to receive an answer, since I'm unable to follow the radio programs from here. Well, if you can email us, you can follow the radio programs from anywhere. But that's a rather sad email, so I thought maybe we should cover that one as well today. Susie, you want mm-hmm. to weigh on that one first? Do you want me to give it a shot?
1: Um, I was. Why don't you go first?
0: Well, um, I think that only this mom has a sense of what life was like when her son was younger. Um, And I don't want to dismiss her feeling that she may have contributed to her son's challenging behavior. Um, After all, families are families and we interact with each other and what one family member does can affect another family member. So we don't want to dismiss that. But we also may not be able to do much about it at this point. He's five now, and that stuff happened two or three years ago. And we don't want that stuff to distract us from what we need to do now. And we only want to work on the things that we can actually do something about. There are lots of kids who have difficult circumstances early on who are not behaviorally challenging. And there are many kids who did not have difficult circumstances early on who are behaviorally challenging. So what percentage of his difficulties are due to the early experiences? No one's going to be able to say for sure. No one's going to be able to say with any level of precision. That means that we need to do what we need to do now. Um, This is interesting, though, because not The the, the typical scenario, well, not necessarily, but a a not uncommon scenario is that other people are blaming the parents for the kids' misbehavior, and that's happening a little bit in this scenario. Um, You know, family members are weighing in with their theories, but to tell you the truth, mom sounds like she's also blaming herself. So the only other thing I'll say is uh, I'm not sure that I've ever seen blame get anybody anywhere. I understand it but I'm not sure it's going to be productive. What's likely to be more productive? Using the Spanish translation of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to get a good handle on the skills her son is lacking, because, of course, I've never met him, but I'm betting he's lacking skills, and I'm betting that his challenging episodes can be traced back to specific expectations he's having difficulty meeting, what I call unsolved problems. Susie, I bet you have some thoughts, too.
1: I do. Um, I also just wanted to reiterate um, that the mom needs to stop blaming herself, that you can't do anything about what happened in the past, but today's a new day and you want to start moving the ball forward. Um Collaborative and Proactive Solutions focuses on lagging skills and unsolved problems, and that leads people to be more compassionate. So how can we set things up so we can start helping him? Um, perhaps if she starts looking at the difficulties as a learning disability and a, or a developmental delay, um, that could help as well.
0: She can't respond because it was an email, and I've just never seen blaming help anybody, whether it's blaming others or blaming oneself. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, Mom, you're welcome to email us back and let us know how things are going. That's why we do this program every week, September through May, almost every week, except, except, except for holidays. Um, Susie, we do not have enough time to do another email for today, but, um, well, I want to thank you for doing this as always. I want to let people know that we anticipate that we'll be able to stream video of the keynote addresses from the Lives in the Balance Summit um, as soon as we get them from our videographer. It was a spectacular day. Um, I think people left energized, and we're already making plans for next year's, as I mentioned earlier. Susie, any final thoughts before we call it a day?
1: Just the summit sounds fantastic. Can't wait to uh, to look at the videos. And so happy that it was such a success for you.
0: And well, it was a success for me. It was a success for Lives in the Balance and everybody who was yes. there. And um, we've got some great things planned moving forward. Great. Shall we call it a day today? Sure. Let's call it a day. We'll do this again next week. Susie, we'll talk to you then, eh?
1: Okay, take care.